Acts chapter 1, verses 7. Reading from the Revised Standard Version of the Bible, and it reads thusly. Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times nor the seasons which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Acts chapter 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound came from heaven like the rush of a mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire, distributed and resting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered. Because each one heard them speaking in his own language. And they were amazed and wondered, saying, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. Thus far, our scripture for today. May the name of God be praised today. Amen. Today, for the time that's mine, I want to preach if my computer will let me. Uh, you know, these are one of them Sundays, you know, no fancy title, you ain't got to preach long either. It's just the power that comes from Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday is the day that we celebrate the descent of the Holy Spirit on the apostles as they waited in one accord in the upper room in Jerusalem. Pentecost was a fulfillment of a promise made by Jesus himself that they shall be filled with the Holy Spirit and that God would give them power to be witnesses throughout Judea and the utmost parts of the world. From a church history perspective, we call Pentecost the birth of the church, meaning it was a day that the church officially began to bear witness of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ 
in defiance of the oppressive force of the Roman government. Ordinary men and women began to do extraordinary things in the name of God. Amen. Ordinary human beings began to do extraordinary feat in the name of Jesus. Uneducated men and women began to speak in their native languages with such boldness as had never been seen before in their lives. People who were not known to be communicators or exhibit any boldness or had any history of speaking up and out in public, they got filled with such confidence and they spoke so that everyone in Jerusalem heard the gospel in their own native language. Pentecost is about the power to speak up. Pentecost is about how you speak up about how you got over how God made a way for you how God turned your life around how God helped you when you were helpless Pentecost is about the power that God gives us to speak up and to speak out about how you got over Pentecost is about the power to proclaim with what the old folks say was with fire in your belly or what Jeremiah says uh, like fire shut up in your bones Pentecost is about emotions amen you can't you can't experience the power of God in your life and just sit there like uh, amen when the fire of God is in your belly you act like it come on you act uh, like something's going on on the inside you act like uh, you cry, but you ain't know what you're crying for. You raise your hand, and you really didn't have any intentions of raising your hand. You start, you know, stomping your feet, patting your feet, because something got a hold of you. I don't know about you, but, but when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you move when the Spirit says move. You, you do what the Spirit says do. That's... That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit descended on the apostles and they got power and they started talking. <laughs> Folk who had shut up at the cross started speaking up in Jerusalem. Question is, do you want some of that power? Problem is for us, we think we can live this Christian life and be at our best without a relationship with this power. And I don't know about you, but I have not yet seen a person who is living their best life without a relationship with God. Because one of the things that happens when you have a relationship with God is that God gets to know you and you gets to know God. As a matter of fact, God already knows about you. Is that you discover who you are in relationship with God and that's when this person declares, I need God in my life. I don't know about you, but the more I get to know me, the more I need God in my life. I know none of y'all in here like that, but I, I got, uh, the more I discover who I am, the more I like God, please help me. Now, 
Uh, y'all are sanctified folks. So y'all don't have such need in your life. <laughs> but I need him. Mama Dad, I need him every hour. That's what the old hymn writer said. I need thee every hour. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless God, my Savior. I need thee. Now, what has been made available to us in the presence of the Holy Spirit is the spiritual ability to be witnesses for Jesus Christ in the face of enormous odds or opposition. I'm going to say it to you again. What has been given to us on the day of Pentecost is the ability to speak up, come on, to be witnesses for Jesus Christ in the face of odds and opposition. In other words, if you ain't facing no odds, no opposition in your life as to you becoming your best self, then uh, this sermon will go right over your head. But if by chance there are some problems that you cannot solve, some mountains that you cannot get over by yourself, some difficulties that you can't figure out on your own, some chronic situations that have not changed since you started praying about them. This may just be something you want to listen to for the next few minutes. For years, I've looked at this Acts 2 passage as though it is saying primarily that all the apostles started speaking in the languages of all the people gathered in Jerusalem. That's, that's a miracle all, all by itself. You know? but, but after being in Johannesburg, South Africa, where there are at least 11 different languages spoken and seemingly all the folk communicate with each other without the aid of the Holy Ghost, I had to seek another revelation in this text. And then it hit me. Right there in the text, Jesus said, and you shall be my witnesses. Come on. In, a, in other words, you are the one designated to take the stand for me. Now, mind you, this is a group of folk who had abandoned Jesus. Come on, y'all. They had betrayed Jesus. They had rejected Jesus. And Jesus said, you are going to be my witnesses. Come on, that's like Jesus looking at you in your lowest moment in life and saying, hey, I want you to take the stand for me. Anybody in here has ever been caught uh, at a low point and place in your life? Come on, uh, a low point, a low place in your life. Most folk turn away from you. When you are at your lowest, if they have not yet done it, keep on living and you will see that people who you think are your family, your friends, your, your boon coon, when you need them the most, Jesus says, you're going to be my witness. You will take the stand, Patricia, in public for me. <laughs> and like, God, do you not know who I am? And Jesus responds, yes, you the one. 
and I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to be a witness for me. Is there anybody in here who have been through some stuff and the only reason you made it through the stuff is because God had a hand in it. Come on now. When you should have gone down, God kept you up. Come on. When you should have lost your cotton-picking mind, God kept you. When you should have been fired from the job, God kept you on that job. Should have lost your house. Come on. God made a way. I'm, I've, I've had members of this church stayed in a house 14 months. And not paid a note. <laughs> and God fixed it. <laughs> Where they can still stay in that house. Come on y'all. When God has done something like that for you. You ought to be willing to take the stand. And be cross examined by God. I don't, I don't know about you. But I, my life has turned out better than expected. That's why I prayed over you. I hope it for you because it is my testimony that my life has turned out better than expected. Come on y'all. Come on and give God some praise if your life has turned out. And just like Christians have minimized the power of the cross by wearing it simply as a piece of fashionable jewelry, you know, or tattooed it on their bodies, uh huh. Just so has Christian diluted the power of the Holy Spirit by embracing it as an ecclesiastical fad to be worn. For Sunday morning worship. Y'all got that? In other words, you got folks who wear the cross, but they don't know the power of the cross. And you got folk tattoo crosses on them. Come on, they got all kind of pretty crosses and all kind of places on their bodies. They're like, whoa, you got a cross there too? Oh, God, girl. Hey, they put crosses just about everywhere. But they don't know the power of that cross and how that cross can sustain you in the middle of the crucibles of life, the tough places in life. They wear the cross, but they don't know the power of the cross. In the same way, uh, we talk about the Holy Ghost. And we do a lot of stuff in church and call it Holy Ghost. But we don't know the power of the Holy Ghost. Because if you knew the power of the Holy Ghost, your life would demonstrate more power, more strength, more hope, more courage, more confidence. Because when that power shows up, come on, Melissa, you, you a therapist. You know the folk who got faith, and you know the ones who do not have faith. You know the ones who come to you crumbling, come on, and they have no resource. And then you know the ones who come to you, oh my God, falling apart, but they got power accessible to them. Come on, y'all. 
I don't know how people make it through tough situations in their life without a relationship with God. Come on. Why? Why relegate the Holy Spirit to a little? Why relegate the Holy Spirit? Ain't you all right? Something as powerful as the, oh my God, the creative force of God. Come on. God, the almighty powerful God has made God's self available to us through the church. And most of what we do is sing in the name of the Holy Ghost to fill pews and to fill chairs, but never to change life. I don't, I don't want to buck in his name and have no power to bring my demons under control. I want power over my demons and I want power over my diseases and I want power over the chronic situations in my life. I don't I don't want my addictions to have the last say on my life. Not, not, not when I have a relationship with God. No, I, I don't want anything foreign to have more power than what's on the inside of me. Come on, I, I don't want to need nothing else more than I need the power of the Holy Ghost in my life. I want more power to live my best life. It's one thing put a good sermon together. It's another thing to have power to preach it. And it's a whole another thing to live it after you finish preaching it. Because preaching it sometimes can be done without the aid of the Holy Ghost. But in order to live it, you got to have a relationship with the Holy Ghost of the living God. If I tell you what's going on up here, you're going to see my need for the Holy Ghost. I'm on page three. I have page five. And after page three, there's a blank. But I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says he will bring to your remembrance that which he has put in your belly. What did I want to tell you today? That the Holy Ghost, his power is not centralized. Why? Because you can have it anywhere you go. Come on, it's not just in Jerusalem. It's not just in the church. You can be driving down the street, my God. And the Holy Ghost can meet you at the steering wheel. Oh my God, what a mighty God. At my first church, I was teaching them 
about having a relationship with the Holy Ghost. And come on, Mr. Fonda, my members started speaking in tongues. And the pastor had never spoken a word in tongues. Because I was one of them Negroes. I'm like, if it ain't real, I ain't getting up there and starting to talk no mumbo jumbo in the name of the Holy Ghost. So I was like, God, if I'm going to speak in tongues, you're going to have to speak in tongues uh, for me. And on my demand, I was at a, a friend's house in Oklahoma. Uh, we went to the Azusa revival. And while we were out there, two of my preacher friends were in the living room singing and praying. And I was sitting on the bed in the bedroom, hemming a pants from one of my friends. And while I was hemming a pants, Come on, y'all. While I was hemming a pants, while I was putting a thread through a needle and hemming my friend's pants, the power of the living God came upon me. And it's in that minute, in that moment, I began to speak in a tongue unknown to anything that a little Catholic boy from the backside of murdering. I don't play with the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. I didn't get it when they see. I went to a line one time. Anybody ever even been in a line? Knowing you're a Baptist preacher and you ain't speaking in tongues, and uh, you go around Baptist people who do speak in tongues. You want to speak in tongues too? Oh my God! And so the man came down there by. Uh, uh, what's the name of that place now? Renaissance Hotel. Big ballroom down there. You know, one of them, Hagen, but I think the name of Hagen, Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, yeah. And they were filling folks with the Holy Ghost. And so Negroes were going up there. Oh my God, 10 on a mule to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And then, for those of us like me who wouldn't play the game, they sent me in another room because they kept laying hands on me and said, speak in tongues. They said, speak anything other than English. And I'm like, oh, y'all playing with God. But I ain't going to be playing that game with God. You can't get me to do no mumbo jumbo in the name of the Holy Ghost. No. And so they sent me in a room by myself. And they said, come on. Come on, we're going to tarry with you. And they're like, just speak, just speak, just speak. They said, hallelujah, hallelujah. I got that. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But I ain't feeling nothing on my belly. Hallelujah hallelujah I ain't feeling nothing they said come on and praise him some more praise the Lord praise the Lord I ain't feeling nothing no 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 but in Oklahoma on my friend's bed while I was threading needle and him and my friend's pants there came upon me the presence of the living God Ain't just in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. No, it's everywhere. And then, secondly, I only got two. I'm sitting. There's no the Baptist sermon. Found ain't got three points. Just two. That the power is not centralized to church, and the power is God's power. Oh my God, it's God's power. It is not Espinosa power. It ain't ray of hope power no it's God's power now now here's the here's the thing about that God is good when the Bible says God is good that means God functions 
the way God is supposed to. So when it says we are good, that means we function the way we are supposed to. And God is a good God. So if God is good, that means, come on, OJ, we ought to be good. So everything that stops you from being good is not of God. Come on, y'all. You're going to get it in a minute. We become like the God we worship. I've been reading a bunch of cone this week, OJ, and cone says black theology ought to give you black power. Come on, my God. That you can't think about God as a black person. Come on, y'all. And not think about how you're going to be good as a black person. Come on. Melissa, it's the same for white folk. Come on. If you think about a God that is just and loving and right, then you ought to treat people in just ways and in white ways. Come on, y'all. Black theology or to give you black power what does that mean for the church come on y'all come on who you believe God to be is going to determine who you believe yourself to be if you feel like your God has made a mistake uh, creating you or allowing you to be in the situations you are in, then you will act like it. Uh, you know, this, this is uh, Pride Week. Uh, all over the floor, uh, they got pride. Come on, if God made you gay, come on and be proud about it. Have a relationship with God that gives you strength in your backbone. Square your shoulder and say, I love me some me. Where do you get such power from? You get it from the hand of a living God. Where do you get the courage to come from a single parent home? Born out of wedlock. Label that birth. Where do you get the power from to say I am a child of God and not who my mama says I am you gotta keep fighting This morning we were in Sunday school class and Miss Peggy says, uh, my testimony ain't for everybody. I'm like, uh, this is why you go to Sunday school, y'all. The testimony ain't for every courtroom. <laughs> But there's a courtroom with a judge that can subpoena you to show up and testify. Come on, y'all. Your testimony is needed in somebody's courtroom to convince somebody, oh my God, that you serve a living God. 
Come on. When your name is called to come to the stand and take the stand for what God has done in your life, will you take the stand and be a witness? Will you be a witness for the God who has kept you through many dangers, toils, and snares? Will you be a witness for a God who has made a way out of no way, kept your mind sane, kept clothes on your back, food on your table, a roof over your head, kept you age free when you should have gotten it come on my god you were wild and crazy buck wild and freaky and the hand of the living god it kept you and even if you got the age virus you did not die